everything nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned this far away. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. I'm jumping the gun here. Uh, today, I have a heavy-duty scholar with me in the studio. Lisa Perlman has written a book that I can hardly lift. <laughs> It's called The Sky is the Limit. The People versus Huey P. Newton, the real trial of the 20th century. Uh, and we have copies of this if you want to... Become a subscriber to KPFA. You can get a copy of this. Just call us on the telephone. You've got the numbers, folks. It's all all up for grabs. Uh, this book comes to us from Regent Press. And I'm not going to read you all the blurbs. Uh, it's too long and too complicated. Uh, Lisa Perlman is a retired judge. And what she's got here, what I've got in front of me... I think we should jump right to it, is a description of the classes she's going to be teaching this fall. And uh, it's, what is it? I think the title of the classes is Landmark Trials of the 20th Century. Now, um, Lisa, why don't you just jump in and try to explain what people get when they, when they come to lifelong learning. First of all, you've got to be over 50. And then if you want to take this course, uh, this lifelong learning course in the trials of the 20th century, what are they going to get? First of all, they're going to get this this book. This is the basic text for the course. And as I said, it's so heavy, I can hardly lift it. It's basically, you know, the Huey Newton trial. But there's, um, first of all, how many, how many people have we got uh my favorite was the scopes trial but you started um what's the earliest trial 1901 the uh, assassination of president mckinley got is covered you. in there it's not the first in order in my book but it's the first one chronologically mm -hmm. uh, in chapter one i cover the 1919 um black Sox scandal uh which was a, a very famous trial. And then I go to the very first trial uh, that was hawked as a trial of the century, and that was the murder of Stanford White, <laughs> uh, architect in uh, New York City, who created Madison Square Garden and was the premier architect of that age, the yeah, Gilded Age. Yeah, they were fighting over the girl in the red velvet swing. Talk about movies and plays. That was a very... What is it? That was the first sex scandal trial that I remember. Uh, She was the it girl of her era. 
All of these trials that I cover have spawned uh, best-selling books and movies and plays because the stories are so inherently interesting. Mm -hmm. In my course, I only cover some of them in the landmark trials of the 20th century that starts next Monday at 10 o'clock mm -hmm. um, at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute on uni at University Hall here in Berkeley. High-stakes legal battles have always fascinated the American public. In this course, I explore several epic trials, all of which have had one or more champions among historians and legal experts as a contender for the trial of the 20th century. The trial of Sacco and Vanzetti, I think, was the one that my teachers liked the best, or, you know, that they used as kind of, what, what is it, the kind of... Uh, this is what American jurisprudence is all about. Actually, I don't cover that in depth in this in this course. It was covered in another course at uh, Osher Lifelong Learning. And the reason I don't cover it is because Sacco and Vanzetti became famous during the appeal after they already got the death penalty. Hardly anyone covered the trial. There wasn't that much interest at the time of the trial. My first class, uh, uh, starting next Monday, I talk about the playing field, the teams of lawyers, the changing rules and the evolving jury of one's peers that started with all white men and has evolved to this day so you now have diversity of both uh, races ethnicities and also of, of gender and the second class uh, that I'm going to teach, uh, I think, is very fascinating. Uh, it pits labor versus capital, talking about the 1907 trial of Big Bill Haywood and the 1911 Los Angeles Times bombing trial, both of which involve Clarence Darrow for the defense. In the third class, a uh, focus on federalism versus states' rights. And these are uh, two cases, uh, one of which you probably have heard of and the other maybe not. The 1906 rape trial of Ed Johnson in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which uh, gave rise to the first and only contempt trial in the United States Supreme Court. And the reason was that Ed Johnson was convicted of rape on with a trial that was extremely uh, questionable and took um, uh, his attorneys took the opportunity to seek review in the U.S. Supreme Court and it was granted and and because it was granted the sheriff allowed uh, Mamabian to uh, lynch Ed Johnson so it was the lynching of a federal prisoner that caused the first and only contempt trial um, before the U.S. Supreme Court in 1909 and shepherded in a uh, hundred years of federal review since that date and the other trial that I cover in that class is the one you're probably more familiar with the Scottsboro Boys. In the fourth class, I talk about two cases that uh, gave birth to both the modern Ku Klux Klan and the Anti-Defamation League um, and the uh, NAACP Legal Defense Fund, the 1913 Atlanta trial of Leo Frank and the 1925-26 Detroit trials of the Sweet Brothers. And in the fifth class, I focus on movement trials, the 1968 Huey Newton murder trial here in Oakland, which is the focus of my book, The Sky's the Limit, the center part of the book, and the Chicago 7 trial, and then the Angela Davis conspiracy trial. We'll and then talk about that later. I'm talking to Lisa Perlman. She's telling you about her classes that begin the first Monday in October. Right, about uh, what do you call this, let's call this the, the history of justice in America. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. I want to give you the phone number before Lisa goes on to tell us about this. It's uh, 
Five and Dime area code 642, you know the Cal preface, 642-9934. If we get, if we get um, distracted here, just call Cal and say, I want to find out about Lisa Perlman's course in uh, Landmark Trials. That's six four two ninety nine thirty four. Now, Lisa, you you said you you're concentrating the 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 uh, heart of this book, the center of your big textbook, is um, the Huey Newton trial. Yes, that is because I think the Huey Newton trial is the overlooked trial of the century. And what I do in my course after covering that in class five, when we get to class six, and I've covered a number of other trials by then, I ask my cl- my class to, to be the judge themselves. Compare the impact of these pivotal trials of the 20th century and other classic 20th century trials, like the one you mentioned, Sacco and Benzetti, and others, perhaps Leopold and Loeb, other other trials that they've heard of. And the reason that I think that uh, the Newton trial trumps them all, I will go into in depth in that class, but I do not believe that President Obama would be in the White House today if this one trial had turned out the way people expected back in 1968. At the end of the book in part three, um, you have a chapter a section called The Precarious Path to a Biracial President and... As I said, this is this is this huge tome of a book and is ten years work, you said. Right? Yes. Uh-huh. yes. And uh, there, there's no way we can cover all this material. It's just that uh there is this thread going through the book that uh I don't know whether it's more more a spiral than a straight line, but it certainly is the sort of thing that has got us to where we are today. Uh I I assume most people think we've made progress. What do you think? Well, we've definitely made some progress. At the beginning of the century, lynching was common not only in the South but in the West. And, in fact, a mob tried to lynch the assassin of McKinley up in Buffalo, New York in 1901. So there's been a sea change in that regard in, in the United States. We stopped tearing people apart limb from limb, although we um, certainly had a a, a barrage of executions in recent years. I was reading this section on Fred Hampton trying to get a connection, thinking about Chicago, you know, thinking of Barack Obama in Chicago. Uh, Fred Hampton's, what would you call it, um, execution, you know, uh, I don't think was ever resolved. The family received um, they received million. compensation yeah. for the wrongful death, $2 and the dollars. second investigation showed that the first was a cover up, um, and that he was um, murdered. I remember the shock on my students' faces. I was teaching in Oakland at Woodrow Wilson School at the time, and those pictures of Fred Hampton. Uh, Murdered in his bed, literally. I guess he, you know, was sound asleep. Uh, I think that was the point at which I stopped thinking that this was a Keystone Cops or, you know, that there was any, anything theatrical about this, you know. I suddenly realized that it was murder, you know. At, at some point, even Bobby Seale has said that they thought of it as um, kind of a psychodrama, you know, the business of carrying guns, going up to Sacramento. And the theatrical aspect, I think, intrigued a lot of us 
it was the 60s, and we just thought that this was all kind of um, uh, a presentation. They were trying to illustrate uh, the injustices, but then suddenly there was a kind of war with the police. Uh, I'm looking here to see what you did with uh, the section on the Panthers' roots. Do you think, what is it, where, where did the Panthers come from? I remember thinking that my students, uh, they kept telling me, these are little kids in 1969 in Oakland, they kept saying, no, some of those men were, were not nice, you know, and and maybe maybe I shouldn't think that they were heroic or revolutionary. And I brought with me today Huey Newton's wonderful uh, autobiography, Revolutionary Suicide, and uh, I don't know whether that book has been republished, but I get the feeling that a lot of people have either forgotten or just put aside that period in our history. You know, they think it's because Huey Newton came to a bad end or because um, uh, he said he didn't think he would live to to um, to grow old, which he didn't, of course. But do you think, um, what is it? Do you think when we, uh, your class, of course, is for people over 50, but when we go into the classroom and try to talk to young people about the the Panthers, uh, do we put a disclaimer on that era? Do we say that ac- actually, you know, there was some violence? Uh, obviously, uh, things, things uh, what is it, the, the notion that... Uh, they would combine that the Panthers and the so-called white liberals would get it together and become part of a uh, uh, a new a new America. Uh, I I bought it at the time, uh, but it seems now, looking back in history, I don't know quite what kind of frame to put around it. Uh, did you did you when you started this? Uh, you you said you. Uh, you put Huey in the center of the book, but for me, the person who was the most interesting was Angela Davis, because it seemed to me she combined all the issues, my issues, uh, feminism and uh, uh, the, what is it, the, the well, I don't want to, I don't even want to use the word communist anymore, because it still makes people nervous, but. Well, I, she was, uh, didn't have any concern about saying that. She was a communist. Yes, of course. And, uh, you know, nowadays it just looks like maybe, what is it, maybe there was a whiff, there was a whiff of, of scandal around the whole thing. I just thought that it was this wonderfully dramatic, romantic play, and that everything would become clear and we would all just uh what is that reach a new level of understanding uh do you think angela davis do you think that the trial of angela davis was maybe more important than huey newton's trial Actually, I don't. I do cover the Angela Davis trial in my book and in my course. It occurred four years after the Huey Newton trial, and it followed the um, pattern of the Huey Newton trial uh, for a movement trial, putting the um, America on trial itself, which is what Huey Newton did when he took the stand and said there were, that he was um, he started the 
Panthers because they wanted to address 400 years of racism and that he was being persecuted by the police and that was how he got the opportunity to talk about it in his defense because he said the police had instigated the the, uh, incident in which the policeman got killed. But he was on trial for his life. Angela Davis wound up not being on trial for his life because the death penalty was outlawed a couple of months before uh, the uh, trial ended. Uh, So that was one difference. But Charles Ogletree, um, who, 1999, professor who was in charge of the Civil Rights Center at Harvard, um, said that he thought the O.J. Simpson trial was the trial of the century. And in 2005, he changed his mind and said, no, it was the Angela Davis trial. And the reason he picked the Angela Davis trial is because he thought it pioneered in using sociologists as jury consultants, that it involved um, a, a woman on the defense team. Um, it also uh, and it had a dream team. She had excellent lawyers uh, representing her uh, and that she raised more issues uh, because she was a, a communist and because she was female um, that than, um, than the OJ case, which is what he was comparing it to. But if you compare it to the Newton case, in the Newton case, you had a couple other factors. Um, the Angela Davis a jury was all white except for one Mexican-American man. The uh, Newton jury, very unusual for its time, especially four years earlier, had seven women and a total of five minorities. And the foreman of the jury was probably the first ever African-American to serve as a foreman of a death penalty case, at least that I've ever heard of. So that was bigger. There were b- bigger stakes and there were demonstrations all around. As you mentioned with the death of Fred Hampton, Cointel Pro, under the di- direction of J. Edgar Hoover, had decimated the Panthers between 68 and the 72 trial. No one is expecting that there would be rioting in the streets um, across America as a result of the Angela Davis trial had she been convicted. The opposite was true at the time of the Newton trial. Eldridge Cleaver was threatening the sky's the limit and reprisals and guerrilla warfare in the streets. And in 1968, that was extremely credible. It had happened right after the Martin Luther King assassination. It had happened the summer before um, spontaneously across America. So that was a very real threat of disruptions like the Rodney King um, Los Angeles riots many years later only across America. And that was not at stake um, at the Angela Davis trial. I wanted to talk to you about COINTELPRO. We have such a short time here. I wanted to talk about um, little Bobby Hutton. And uh, how about yeah, COINTELPRO and the FBI? Do you think that they just used the the Panthers? Was it just an excuse? I I can't figure out whether they really thought that America was in any danger from this basically political party the black panthers they simply made a list of demands they were asking for justice in their community but of course some of them you know were waving some guns around and it scared people uh i think it was it served jagger hoover's purpose to name the Panthers as the biggest internal threat to Uh American security in 1968. (laughs) Uh, The Democrats in Congress believed that that was being exaggerated um, for for a purpose. And, of course, J. Edgar Hoover had a history of exaggerating the threat from communists uh, in order to increase the size of the FBI and its power. Sure. The uh, army there, there's the the recent 
Clint Eastwood movie about Hoover. I don't know whether I recommend it. It was uh, beautifully done, but it seemed to me to be a whitewash, as they say. Uh, for 50 years, that man was the, uh, what would you call it, the tyrant uh, who managed to uh, make destroy the lives of uh, hundreds of people in these United States. Anyway, uh, I'm talking to uh, Lisa Perlman, who has this huge book called The Sky's the Limit. She's put in 10 years on this book. Uh, it's the people versus Huey P. Newton, the real trial of the 20th century. And, of course, uh, as we said before, she's gone through scores of um, trials, all the, what is it, all the historical anguish of our past. And uh, I was looking here, <laughs> yes, always go right to the index and see. Uh, it seems to me she she's covered just about everything. We got to, oh, Veronica is here. She's going to help us. We got um, to raise some money and we're going to ask those of you who... Uh, want the book, who want to take Ilsa, uh, Lisa Perlsman's course, whether you want to just have the book for yourself, for your friends, for your family. As I said, it's a book you can barely lift. Uh, can I just mention that people tell me it's a page turner and it's gotten five-star reviews on Amazon, so mm -hmm. don't be daunted by its size. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I, I'm one of those people. The bigger, the better. <laughs> All right. Hi, Jennifer. How yeah. are you? Yes. Hi, Raina. Yeah. Okay, so now, Elisa. Perlman. I don't know why I said Raina. Ugh. Okay. Me too. I just said. <laughs> uh, no, we're, I know. Anyway. It's that kind of day. Good afternoon and welcome to Jennifer's show here. And I want to thank you for listening in. Of course, Jennifer's been doing this show for quite a while. I don't know how many years. I'm not sure she does either. But the bottom line is it's an important uh, feature of our Tuesday afternoon here. Jennifer is a national treasure. And of course, 30 years. 30 we happen years, to have her right here at KPFA. And you're listening in because you appreciate Jennifer. You feel her. And what I'd want you to do now is demonstrate that, if you will, by making a financial contribution to KPFA during this particular program from 3 to 3.30 on Tuesday. It's uh, Stone's Throw with Jennifer. And for a donation of $75, you can get a copy of Lisa's book, The Sky's the Limit, Lisa Perlman's book, The Sky's the Limit. It's actually a must-have if you're interested in historical facts and details that you won't hear anywhere else about these particular trials she's been mentioning. $75, and of course I recommend you get a copy for yourself and a copy for your school's library, your community center. If your church has a library, this is something that you must have. It's The Sky's the Limit for a contribution of $75. And needless to say, of course, if you can't do $75 all at once, you can string it out over the years. That would be six dollars and 25 cents a month but the most important thing is for you to make a contribution on whatever level is important to you the telephone number here is 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732 jennifer is still here there aren't any uh lines lit up over there i know you're here i know, I know. you're listening to me i feel you no okay? i know some of you out there like me you know uh this is living history when uh, we were there when it happened. Yes. And uh, uh, it isn't, what is it? It isn't past. Who's the man who said, uh, uh, what is it? The past isn't 
Pass. You know what, you know what he pass. said. The most important thing right now is for you to give us a call. This at area code 510-848-5732-1800-439-5732. I think we have at least four people in the phone room, and they're waiting for your call. Why don't you be the first? I love the pioneers, don't you, Jennifer? The first one to break through and make a way for everyone else. This is what KPFA is all about. It's our pioneering spirit here that was uh, first put together by Mr. Lewis Hill back in 1949. And if you care about KPFA as an invaluable resource for information, like the information you're receiving right here on Jennifer's show, Stone's Throw, and available in this book, The Sky's the Limit, that you can get for a $75 donation, by all means, pick up the phone, call 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. If I sound like I'm rushing, it's just I'm so passionate about this. And we have like five minutes left. Yeah, okay? I was going to say, yeah, I know that there we are have history one, buffs one, out one, there. One person on the line, thank you so much. Why history. don't you be the next one? Yes, those of those of you who are history buffs or school teachers, this one you got to have. Yes. And Lisa's class begins the first Monday in October, in case you're up for that. Uh, I think uh, this book is one of those permanent, permanent reference books for your shelf. you got yes. to have this one. As I said, I've been reading it from the index back because there's nobody that isn't in here. <laughs> you it's know. so intriguing when you read the backstory. I mean, this stuff is unbelievable. It's stranger than fiction. Some of the things that happened and uh, that you never would have heard about any place else. The telephone number is 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732 for your very own copy of this book, The Sky's the Limit by the Lisa Perlman. Still happening. And you must if you don't want it for yourself, you need to get it for somebody else. You need to get it for your grandkids, get it for uh, their school library, donate it to your senior center, your resource center. I'm assuming people are seniors. Isn't that awful? That's kind of ageist of me. No, get it's it true. and uh, take it. Start a reading group with it. Yes, that's what you will do. Well, I mean, the, the KPFA listeners are so brilliant and so informed and so up on everything else. And this will be uh, another augmentation to your available resources. Things to talk about at those cocktail parties. What were you, you going to say something, Jennifer? I'm just going to say, you know how it is in America. We've forgotten on Friday. We've forgotten what happened on Thursday. Exactly. You know, we have to keep, keep bringing this stuff up because you know that the ruling class is not going to do it. They're not going to put this stuff on the evening news. Right. Now, you can Google some of this stuff, but if you have this book, you can look it up no matter where you are. Prince best. I, I uh, can't help it. I just want the book in my hand. Yes. So, yeah. uh, if you, you know. love books like Jennifer does, you yeah. will want to have a copy of this. The telephone number again is 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. And thank you so much for the two callers on the line right now. And you can be the next one. Might I add that you may also contribute online securely at www.kpfa.org. $75 dollars well worth the price and while i'm at it jennifer i might as well go ahead and thank the 
Thank you, dear. I might no, as well go ahead and continue to take over your show, Jennifer. Thank you. No, do it. All do right. It. So now uh, we want to thank Semi Freddy's, Cabo Creamery Cooperative, Acme Bread, and Casa Latina in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who are keeping the phone volunteers fed. And by the way, if you have some free time during this fun drive, we invite you to come on down <laughs> and see for yourself the coffee's good, too. I know. Very close, 510-848-5732. 1-800-439-572. Jennifer's gold is $750. Right. Oh, I'm not going to make No, they, yes, these books oh, are so this. heavy. They're so heavy. They outweigh my Jennifer, last number in the know, bed there. I got a pile of them there. Jennifer, you will make stacked this. Stacked up on okay, the pillow. All we need is for 10 pledges of $75. That's all. That's all. $75 is nothing anymore. It used to be a big deal, right? Yes. This book has what I call total recall. It's bringing it all back to me now. All of the years that we had there in Oakland. I was in Huey Newton's uh, school there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, over at Oakland Tech, we had all those horrible riots and the cops coming in and yeah. I just thought, you know um, Party crashers. Yeah, I just thought you know, well this is history happening and then all of a sudden people were really getting shot. People were really dying. Jennifer, you know, I, it's wonderful that you were there and you have that perspective on it and this book actually reminds you of what was going on and I want to tell folks, speaking of reminders that this is our fall fund drive. This is the second day. Our overall goal for this drive is $735,000. So far, we're at 57,450. I think we're doing quite well and you can help us out today by helping to reach this goal during this half hour that's almost over of $750 by making a contribution, $75 for Lisa Perlman's book, The Sky's the Limit. I know you won't regret it. So the telephone number 510-848-5732-1800-439-5732. Do it just to show some love to Jennifer. I know you love her like I do. I know, I haven't told you lately. I love you, Jennifer. I love you too, dear. I want to thank Lisa Perlman for getting (laughs) here, and I want you to go right to the chapter on Angela Davis, because she puts it all together, all the universals, you know, all that class and gender and the whole picture. Right, there's a whole string of them that she talks about. Okay, so now we're going to be signing off here pretty soon, and I just really want to thank Jennifer, and also thank Lisa Perlman for coming here and uh, talking about our courses, this magnificent all lifelong learning if you want to take Lisa's course. Yes. And thank you both for having me on the show. Oh, you're quite welcome. And, and thank you for listening, folks. And stay tuned.